Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. My buddies and I were wanted to go see Scream 3. We wanted, you know, it was an R-rated movie. We got in. Uh-huh. And the usher came down with the flashlight and said, you're not old enough because we weren't. We weren't old enough to see a rated R movie. So they kick us out of Scream 3 before it starts. We're, we're just sort of lingering in the lobby, you know, shuffling our feet, looking down. Oh, this is so sad. And the the cashier, the guy at the desk, the box office says, well, you know, there's a new creepy ghost story out. It's by some director nobody knows, but... You know, you, you should try it. It's a ghost story. You know, maybe this is your, this will be your solace for missing Scream 3. So we go in, the music starts. It's the sixth sense. And oh. I was buried, buried into my seat. Scared the, I was like Haley Joel Osment. I was terrified by all the, I'm getting goosebumps now when he's like, you know, the prickly feelings on the back of your neck. Um, and then of course, then I was on board. I thought it was a masterpiece before the ending. And then uh-huh. when that whole ending, well, everybody knows oh, it now with Bruce God. Willis, but yeah. my, we walked out of there, minds blown. And so glad we didn't see Scream 3. <laughs> the Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. Well, uh, here we are again. And you just heard Jason Fraley talking about his favorite horror movies. And I love that story. He got kicked out of Scream 3, and they said, oh, well, go try this one instead. And it was the sixth sense. And as a kid, he was totally traumatized. And uh, that's that's what I love about horror movies. And here we are uh, the week before Halloween. And uh, first, let's say hello to Lou Katz. Thank you, Arch. Always a pleasure to be manning the controls here, making sure everything goes as unsmoothly as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Lou, the legendary Wash FM morning guy, the legendary Q107 guy, and uh, twisting all the knobs. That's me. And and so here we are. And uh, when did Halloween get to be such a big deal? When did that happen? From a standpoint of being on the air on radio, mm-hmm. gosh, yeah. it's, it's, it's going at least back since during my career, going back to the 80s. I really? remember when, Just... I was, when I was working at WAVA, it was top 40 at the time, and we had a, uh, a big Halloween party downtown at the Champions with, you know, a Michael O'Hara. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> There's a name. There's a blast out of the past. Yeah. Michael O'Hara. Michael O'Hara. O'Hara. Michael O'Hara. Mark, my, exactly. And so, you know, we were know. All, always promoting Halloween stuff, you know, parties and, you know, you know, stuff like that. It just seems to me that Halloween is much bigger than it uh, ever used to be, at least when I was growing up. And so speaking of Halloween and in honor of it, This podcast is a special podcast. It is a deep dive into the life and times of one of my favorite broadcasters. He's a guy, a longtime friend of mine. He morphed into one of America's favorite characters. Uh, Let's say hello to a man whose real name is Dick Dizel, but you know him. As Count Gore Duvall. Good. Wait a second. A vampire should never say good morning. No, it's good to say hello or greetings. <laughs> but I, I want to talk to the guy behind 
uh, Count Gord Ball. Oh, he's standing uh, over there by the refrigerator. Uh, <laughs> Let me get him right now. Okay. Hey, you. Come here. <laughs> Dick Dysel. So uh, first, uh, on this podcast, we always uh, tap into the lives of our guests and ask you, what are you watching on television and streaming right now I'm and watching in the movies? <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty scary. And Lou's up in top. He's, he's pretty scary too, you know? So I'm yeah. in between. <laughs> We're on Zoom. What, what do you watch for entertainment, just for fun? What are you watching? Last night, last night I was, uh, I was going through Netflix and I came across something called Crimson Peak. And I knew nothing about it. Yeah. And uh, to me, it just looked like a British costume drama. You know, I, I can't, I'm starting to roll my R's here. This is difficult. It's yeah. Halloween cutting butt nearby. Anyway, I'm watching this thing and it's getting spookier and spookier. It's got ghosts. It's pretty gruesome. It's got some stabbings and lots of bleedings. And, you know, and pretty soon I realized that when it's over that it's uh, Guillermo del Toro was the director, writer, editor. It was his uh -huh. movie and it yeah. looked all like it. I mean, it was, it was pretty decent. Ghosts are real. That much I know. I've seen them all my life. It seems like uh, the streaming universe is just filled with horror stories now. It's it's so, yeah, yeah. you and I have talked about, um, I think we both kind of discovered horror films in the 50s mm -hmm. when they uh, released the uh, package of uh, universal classics. And, uh, and they were unusual for the time. And now... Uh, horror is everywhere. Why do you think? Uh, because uh, the, the marketing people think it's uh, a way to, to market it and get ratings uh, and eyeballs. Uh, whether it's real or not, I don't know. I mean, you can only, I, I really think, I think it's oversaturated. I mean, I, I was appalled. I went to look for something. I mean, even, even in the, uh, even in the uh, TV sections, both Amazon and Netflix, I mean, it was lousy old canceled after one season or 10 episode horror stuff that they're they just digging stuff up it's, it's like finding zombies and digging them up for a couple of weeks just to fill the the things and what if i wanted a musical i mean i guess i could have on rocky horror picture show if i wanted uh, wow i don't know what, what, no, do you, I, what do you think of the rocky horror picture show I think it's fun. I think it's fun. You know, it was a cult thing, you know, for, you know, with, with audience participation, and it still is. I remember covering that at the Key Theater in Georgetown. And wow. uh, first they would show it on Halloween. Then they started showing it every uh, Friday and Saturday night at mm -hmm. midnight. And, uh, and the Halloween uh, screenings were always uh, lots of fun down in Georgetown. And, oh, well, they, you know, they, they still... made a sequel that stunk. Well, yeah, but they still do that occasionally. Excuse me, there is, there is a roaming troupe in the Washington area uh -huh. me, that actually does these live performances with the, with the show with on the film. screen. Yeah. They've, done, they've done it at the AFI. I know that because I've, I've seen it there. Still the AFI Silver. And... Um, you know, but but the whole thing about horror—why do people always ask me why do people watch horror? And I think it's for the for the thrill of something like being on a roller coaster. You know, you know you're going to be safe. 
You're going you're to watch this and you're going to get scared. Your adrenaline's going to flow, but you're going to walk out alive and okay. Maybe mentally scarred, <laughs> but you're, you're going to still, you know, you'll, you're not going to be bleeding. You're not going to be cut up and you're definitely going to be alive. So uh, I think that's what it is. It's for the thrill. But again, I'm wondering, and this is just wondering out loud because you brought it up. If you overload, oversaturate, where everywhere you look on streaming media, it's horror, horror, horror. Yeah. I wonder, well, how can, well, first of all, how can you determine which you want to watch? Is it title? Is it trailer? Is it just a graphic? I don't know. Uh -huh. a, yeah. I didn't know anything mm. about Crimson Peak. It turned out to be a pretty decent little film. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, what do I know? I mean, yeah, I could have watched a, a lousy, uh, basically a, a horror rom-com for all I know. You know, the uh, critics and uh, me and Jason Fraley brought this up last week, uh, seem to agree that the finest recent horror film is uh, Jordan Peele's Get Out. No question. No question. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, hit, it hits all the right buttons. Do you smoke in front of my daughter? I'm going to quit. She'd take care of that for you. How? Hypnosis. I'm good, actually. Are you ready for this? I'm back in the beat. In fact, I would say, as we recommend, what are you watching these days? That if you're looking for something really great to watch on Halloween, watch or rewatch Get Out. Well, look, I wanted you to come on this podcast because, honest and true, I wanted to talk to you about your career and how it got started and then how it stopped and then how it revived. <laughs> so <laughs> I have a it's few like, questions. It's like a zombie. It comes up, keeps coming back like a vampire. <laughs> but, you can't stake him down. The life and times of Dick Dizel. Where did you grow up? Tell us about uh, your uh, formative years. Well, you know, I was thinking about that this morning in anticipation of this, thought you might ask. I grew up in Chicago in the south side of the city in an area called Gage Park. And I was thinking about what I dressed up as a kid, costumes I dressed up as a kid for trick-or-treating. And the one, there was a reoccurring theme. I kept dressing up as a hobo. And it was kind of cool because you could, you could get the, get a cork and you could burn the cork and we'd carbonize it. And you could make a you can make a, a beard and mustache out of it. And you basically get your old clothes and you got a, a stick and you put a, a, yeah. a, a thing on the a end and kerchief and was, on it. Yeah. But let me ask you, let me turn the question around. When you were a kid and growing up back in, I assume it's Texas, what yeah. did you dress yeah. up as for Halloween? You know, I don't remember what I dressed up as. I think I'd uh, wear a sheet and go as a ghost. We, we didn't do much. I had a Frankenstein mask that was uh, one of those rubberized masks uh, that fit over your entire head. And of Ooh. course, if you, you wore that a few times, you couldn't see out of it. And uh, it got to be like 150 degrees inside your head. But uh, that was probably what I went as most often was Frankenstein. And I have a good friend from high school that I communicate with uh, on Facebook who reminded me when we were in the sixth grade and uh, I'd started to uh, grow uh, and shoot up, we, um, we met Halloween night of sixth grade and really worked the neighborhood. We worked, we must have done a dozen. And toward the end of the night, 
somebody uh, opened the door and said, you boys are too old to be trick-or-treating. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> and so that's my trick-or-treat story. You're never, never too old because when, we got in, when I got into college, we just uh -huh. changed. Instead of going around with a bag to collect the candy, we walked around with a big mug and said, fill it up. You know, I mean, it was really simple. <laughs> <laughs> so you grew up in Chicago. Yes. Uh, what, were you, what were you interested in? I wanted to be a mad scientist early. I, I thought Dr. Zarkoff was really cool because he could go, he could, he could go to a, a planet and immediately create all these great inventions. So I thought that would have been cool to grow up as. I, I was really into science fiction. If it had a rocket in it, I would watch it or, or analyze it. But then in 57, when uh, Shock Theater came on in Chicago and Marvin was hosting horror movies, yeah. I got I really got into this the uh, as you point up the uh, universal classics and it was kind of cool you know of course that was what was I'll tell you and that what was really neat about it was you knew you were doing something that was naughty that your parents didn't want you to do but not really sinful you know I mean so oh, you, my parents watched with me uh, <laughs> no my, my my parents are early to bed people because they got up very early in the morning so what your parents what your folks do for a living my mother uh, was was a nurse, then she became a full-time mom and then went back to being a nurse. Yeah. My father uh, was uh, a print, he worked for a printing company operating a folding machine. So he folded a lot of uh, brochures and matter of fact, event, what I remember mostly is he did the, the biggest client was Norge Appliances. So all the uh -huh. operating manuals yeah. from Norge Appliances, but yeah, they did that. But they would go to bed at you know nine nine thirty, and you know shock theater came on at ten. So <laughs> I would creep downstairs and I'd bring a pillow with me, and I'd put the pillow over the tuner because those were when the times uh, the tuners yeah. went kathunk kathunk kathunk. Yeah, yeah. And I'd change over to channel seven very carefully, and then I would turn the volume up just a little, put my just so I could barely hear it, and watch scary movies. Were they uh, influences on your life, your parents? And if not your parents, who, who's, the, who's the influence on young Dick Dizel? Oh, my, parent, my parents, my parents, obviously, because I, I think they instilled in me in a, in a sense of, um, of, you know, basic personal responsibility. Actually, the outside person was my Uncle Benny. Um, <laughs> Uncle Benny. Uncle Benny. <laughs> Here comes Uncle Benny. <laughs> Uncle Ben ran a uh, television repair shop, radio and television repair shop, and I loved electronics. So yeah, for Christmas, I'd get a 101 kit on making things. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, he gets how to build uh, shortwave radios and stuff like that, crystal sets. And and I, I was the only kid in the whole neighborhood with a really a, a working walkie-talkie. It had one really? tool. <laughs> so you're, I'm getting a sense that uh, you thought about really wanting to be an engineer or a radio technician or television technician? Well, it's funny you should mention that because as early as uh, probably third grade, I was actually doing kind of like radio uh, plays on a reel-to-reel -reel tape deck that my dad bought. So yeah, I was, I was all over the place. I never wanted to be an actor. I never wanted to take, I, 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 I was on stage once as the Wizard of Oz in second grade, um, which by the way, probably was a, a, a foretelling of what I'd be because it turns out that I, I only had, I had very few lines. I just had to sit on this throne and the Dorothy and the Tin Man. Oh, and you were the wizard. 
That was the wizard. And I just had to hand him props. Uh-huh. I didn't have to say anything except when I st- I'm standing on stage in the middle of the stage on this throne and there are no props. They forgot to put the props out. <laughs> so I'm looking over at the side and there is this nun just panic stricken because she doesn't know what I'm going to do. And I didn't know what to do, except I figured, well, I'm, you know, hey, what? I'll make believe. So I turned to Dorothy and I said, come on up, come up to the throne and I will give you whatever it was supposed to give her. And everyone looked and she came. But what was happening was I was reaching down. She was blocking the line of sight to the audience. I was reaching down and handing her nothing. And uh, I did that with the rest of the cast and basically saved the show. So it was my first improv in second grade. I was so impressed. I didn't do it again until I got into television. <laughs> so now, well now wh- where'd you go to college? I started University of Illinois uh, in mechanical engineering. I lasted two quarters and failed out because guess what? I am not an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> All that time you wanted to be one. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I was in high school. And I wasn't sure what I wanted to be when I got into college. I, 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 was, I was into cars, too. So I thought maybe I'd design cars. But I wasn't an artist and I wasn't an engineer. Uh, actually, it's kind of funny. After they threw me out of the school, they required me to, uh, they said, well, before you go to Vietnam, because you, you're going to lose your deferment and you're going to get drafted and you're going to go to Vietnam. <laughs> So, so before you do that, we're going to tell you what your entrance exams said. Now, you realize I took uh, all these entrance yeah. exams, and they never, never once told me what it meant. So I'm sitting there with this guy, and he looks at my entrance exams. He turns to me, and he says, what were you doing in mechanical engineering? And I said, it seemed like a good idea at the time. He said, you realize you have no aptitude? Absolutely zero. <laughs> if, there was a, if there was a major that you were going to fail, this would be it. And I go, <laughs> now you tell me. And I said, well, okay, you've got the paper. You've got my life in front of me. After I get back from Nam, if I should survive, what am I supposed to get into? He said, verbal persuasion. And I said, oh, what is verbal persuasion? He said, well, you can become a used car salesman. Huh? I don't think so. He said, you could go in, you can become a lawyer. I don't think so. Uh, but that, that I should have been something that was in verbal persuasion. And that he said, okay, that's enough. Time's up. Go home. Uh, I didn't end up getting drafted. I ended up going to junior college, and then uh, uh, then I went to Southern Illinois University, where I studied radio and television and verbal persuasion. <laughs> uh, and uh, tell me about your first job. My first job out of school, because I, I, I worked part-time at radio stations while I was in school. My first full-time oh, okay. job out of school was at KHAD in DeSoto, Missouri. The owner lied to me. He said it was a contemporary station in suburban St. Louis. I drive 150 miles south of St. Louis and find this little town uh, on the other side of a creek on a one-lane bridge. And uh, literally, I drove into town on one side were 150 railroad tracks full of rusting old rail cars. On the other side was the the Main Street town. this town was built in the Old West. Basically, the sidewalks were raised, so you had to climb up and down to keep out of the mud. And they just <laughs> paved over that. So, I mean, this was great. It's a great little town. I loved it. I was only, only there for six weeks, but I loved it. Um, it, was, it turned out to be country, but that's okay. Uh, I, I like all kinds of music. So, yeah, that was my first job. In six weeks, they fired me. They said... Dick, here's the deal. We're going to daytime operation, which means they're only on one daytime hours. He says, it's coming uh-huh. up on winter. We're going to have to cut somebody. It's either you or George. 
George is going to be here the rest of his life. He's not good enough to go anywhere else. He said, first opportunity, you're out of here. So you're out of here. <laughs> and, was, and how did you get into television? Well, I was going to tell you that timing was perfect because the week that like the next day after he fired me, I get a, a letter from a friend of mine who's working in Paducah, Kentucky at the MOR station, which Lou, you remember MOR, middle of the road? <laughs> oh, absolutely. You kidding me? WMAL, WTOP, WWDC here in Washington. Yes. And now and Murray. Yes, yes. And so anyway, so he says, the rocker in town is looking for a morning man. I go, ugh. So I send him my tape, a little three-inch reel of tape, and I started calling the general manager every day until he would give me a job. And finally, he said, all right, stop calling. You got the job. And I went to work as a rock and roll jock at a 50,000 watt uh, rocker in uh, Paducah, Kentucky. So that's that station had a construction permit for a TV station, the first U in that area. And everyone that worked at the radio station got a job at the TV station because they could do that and not pay you anymore. <laughs> right. And that's how I got into TV. And did you create a horror show for that station in Kentucky? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. What What was the name of the show? Night of Terror, and the, <laughs> and the host was the host was Empty Graves. Empty Graves. Empty Graves. Yes, which we stole, <laughs> which we stole from a station in Miami, which we didn't know. Yeah. Uh, but the story is this is the real true story. We were sitting in a we were the station was a couple of months from going on the air. And I was sitting with the general manager and the, another guy, and we were watching these film opens, you know, the, the like the eight o'clock movie yeah, and yeah. so forth like that. And these are coming in on 16 millimeter film and we're watching this and it's about two o'clock in the morning. Uh, we had gone through about a case of beer and several pizzas and, um, you know, it's starting to get old. And finally I'm, I'm in kind of in the back of the room, slugging down another, another beer and uh, up comes this thing, night of terror with MT graves. And I, I just, blurted out that's what we need a host of horror movie and the general manager turned around and said you're hired <laughs> i said what do you mean he said well create a character you're going to do a hosted horror movie you know <laughs> that's the thing that people have forgotten or do not know now that at, at a time of the 50s 60s and 70s television stations were like little theater companies yes. and they you know I've told people thousands of times that I became the movie reviewer because the news director came in and said, I want a movie reviewer. Who wants to do it? And I raised my hand. And you, you, you said, we need a horror show. And, and you got one because they were like little improv companies. People yes, did were. a little bit of everything. And how, and is that what brought you to Washington? Empty graves? Uh, actually, actually, no. Actually, uh, what brought me to Washington was Bozo the Clown. Uh-huh. Because, you know, basically, I was, uh, I, was, I was really enjoying my life as a rock and roll jock. I mean, I was a big, I was a big fish in a small pond, uh -huh. and I had all these, these teeny bopper girls just oogling over me. I felt like Fabian or, you know, Brock Hunter, yeah. one yeah. of these guys. And uh, I eventually, uh, the general manager finally talked me into uh, trying out for Bozo, which I didn't want to do. Uh, a matter of fact, I tried not to do it, but they said, you know, you're going to get the job and we'll pay you some more. Now, then he talked, oh. that, that, I understood that. 
Uh, so MT Graves isn't going to make me any money, but Bozo would. So I went to uh, Bozo training in Dallas, which was a, a week of watching uh -huh. the show and talking with the people making the show. What, what was that guy, Larry Kramer? Was Larry that his Harman. name? Larry, Larry Harmon. But I didn't, Larry wasn't this, Larry was out in LA. I, the, the Bozo in Dallas was Doug Litton and he worked for Larry and he was the trainer. And uh, it, it, was, it was great because in a week I learned how to produce a TV show. I mean, and really, really did. So I went back and, and so what happened is, remember I said, we, we you know, we did, we MT Graves. Okay, here's, here's a Saturday night. I was also Saturday night news anchor from 10 <laughs> till 10, 20. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> ten twenty. I threw it to the sports guy. Sports guy started sports. I had ten minutes to run into the bathroom, put my makeup on, change clothes, and hop into my coffin because we did this live. <laughs> so I was putting in eighty-hour weeks. I was still doing radio. I was still doing TV. I was doing news. I was doing everything but sports. I was doing personal appearances. I was doing engineering. And I, and I said, I burned out. And then I said, but I called Doug and I said, Doug, you know, I quit uh, Paducah. He said, what do you mean? You got a great show. And I go, I know you got a great show. It's so great that when I come back and I was going to Europe for about six weeks, that was my idea. Uh -huh. I sold my car, turned it into cash. And my wife and I were going to go bum around Europe. So anyway, he, uh, he, I said, when I come back, I want a job as Bozo. Turned out that Washington needed a, a bozo. <laughs> yeah, they there had, wasn't there enough. are lots of bozos in Washington. How many times have you heard that? Yeah, there wasn't enough on yeah. Capitol Hill. They yeah, needed a guy yeah. in a studio. So, of course, so I, I got the job. But I had a fight to put the vampire on because the general manager didn't want to do it. So eventually I won. Yeah, then, you worked for a legendary guy. Milt Grant. Milt Grant, who had hosted a uh, teen dance show. Two weeks ago at Glen Echo, we had a gentleman by the name of Dale Hawkins. He sang a tune called Susie Q, which is on its way up in Washington. Here comes Susie Q. And he was difficult to deal with? No, actually, Milt was I, Milt is a nice guy. Uh, a little strange. Uh, he was basically a salesman, mm -hmm. uh, as a lot of people were uh, that came out of, uh, out of that era. They were sales and also he, but he was all, he understood production. So that was kind of cool. A lot, most of the other general managers were not into production. Uh, but I, for some reason, he, they, I didn't realize it, that they had actually had a horror host on channel 20 years before I got there and it wasn't very successful. Also channel nine, uh, Sir Graves oh. Gasly had, yeah. had uh, they, he tried to syndicate his show to channel nine and it, it failed also. So Milt said, no, I don't want a horror host. But eventually they gave in, they let me do it. I immediately got them to sign papers acknowledging the character was mine, anything I created was mine. And if the thing came about that the tapes became available, they were mine. You know what? That was a really great movie. Maybe we can show it again. We don't have to wait another 15, 20 years to see that sexual pervert Lionel Atwell, at least according to Parade. I mean. <laughs> You'll see that movie from a different light. Are there still tapes of the original Creature Feature? Uh, there are copies of the original. I had the originals up until doo -doo 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 -doo, about yeah. 2013. Uh, then I donated them to the National Archives, and they were oh. transferred. They're Don and Culpepper. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. 
And uh, so, yeah, my entire career is down in Culpeper up to that point. But then, you know, realized after as soon as we came back up, my brought it to the web that I've been on the web longer than I've been in television. So, yeah, there was a, a point, I, I guess, in the late 80s that they canceled Creature Feature. And then you moved, you moved back to Chicago and you led kind of a civilian life. What did you do between the end of the 80s and the invention of the Internet? When I left 20, I, I saw the handwriting on the wall because uh, Tim McDonald, who was a general manager and owner of the station, had already told everyone that he was going to close the studios. Mm -hmm. So I started already prepping for what I was going to do. And I, I started the first all CD DJ company in Washington, uh, Laser Sounds. And uh, then when I went to Chicago following my wife's career, I started the company, restarted the company there. It sounds fabulous. And then brought it back in uh, to washington when we moved back in uh in 05 and um but basically i kept as soon as we went in 98 when we hit the internet with gore it's been non-stop every week a new show so well, what made you so you know there's a gap there of about 10 years yeah uh, between the end of creature feature on channel 20 and then bringing it to the internet yep. and what where what made you think to do that and well, it's very it simple work. because two things. One, I had the rights to the character. I mean, I owned the character, and I had, I had, I had a a, a presence that was, you know, 57, 15 years in Washington, um, and I was kind of concerned that there, there was. Uh, I won't name. I don't. I won't name the, the disc jockey. There was a disc jockey on a radio station in Washington in the eighties that was. Uh, uh, having a little fun with both my both Count Gore and also Captain 20, which was another character that I did. And they had somebody who was not me saying they were and, you know, making up stories. And I was very concerned that my my legacy was huh. being, being destroyed. Was this Don and Mike or was it uh, Grease Man? Oh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't Doug. No, Gre I, 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 I was friends with Doug. Um, uh, well, I shouldn't ask. Yeah, don't don't ask. <laughs> but but, but, I'm but, curious. It, it, I'm it, curious. It was it was just it was the era of shock jocks, and yeah, I, you yeah. know, and I I finally said, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to bring it back. And besides that, I said I like doing it. I mean, now I had a years some years off to relax and and to rethink this, and we had a new medium, which was exciting. So that's what I did. Well, and you know, uh, in that uh, interval. Uh, suddenly technology came along so you could get a video camera you could uh, put a studio in your basement you didn't need in the early days of television you needed a gymnasium to yeah. hang all the lights they needed now you don't need the lights and all and so suddenly technologically you could uh, redo it when did it occur to you that going on the internet was turning into uh, a fabulous success uh, I never said it was a fabulous success. <laughs> I, well, I, you know, you're a presence on the internet, and people well, people can get what what's your what's your uh, address, by the way, countgore.com. Countgore.com. Yep. Yeah. And, and uh, actually, that was an interesting thing because we didn't know what we were going to call it when we first went on. Mm -hmm. We we had gone with Creature Feature, and my uh, business manager, also my wife, said, "No, it's too generic. Use your name." So I said, Count Gore uh, Duval, too long. How about Count Gore? Okay, go with it. So we, we you know, registered Count Gore and, and, and ran with it. Uh, Incidentally, 
I, you've given me both answers, either that uh, Gore Duvall was a play on Gore Vidal, or that uh, you came to work um, by way of the Duvall funeral home. Both, both are <laughs> so, true. So is it just both? Both are true. And I honestly, in all, in all honesty, I've reflected on this so many times. I mean, I, uh -huh. I, I, I honestly can remember standing in Milt's office and he turned, he said, I want, I want, a, I want a, a vampire name with some gore in it. So I said, hey, how about Count Gore? He said, ah, I, he said, I like it, but it needs more. And I was so frustrated. I just wanted to move on that I turned around. I actually turned my back to him. I turned around towards the wall, which was all about six inches from my face. Uh -huh. and I said, how about something off the wall? Uh, something off the wall, like Duvall. And that's exactly what happened. And he Off said, Duvall. He said, I like it, Count Gore Duvall. Only at that point did I look on his desk, and there was a, a book that he was reading by Gore Vidal. And on my way home, I passed the Duvall funeral home and said, who knows? And... Uh, this led to these legendary appearances at the American Film Institute. Yes, which uh, I'm trying to get back to. You know, it's been 10, 12, uh, how many Ten years, years, Ten years have you been? 10 years. Yeah. And I want to say personally that I went to a screening you held of Young Frankenstein at the <laughs> AFI. I'm going to be there as I do every time with clips from my shows, audience participation game, prizes, and let's not forget, this time around, DC media critic and fan favorite, Arch Campbell will be there to co-host the clip. It is the single most outrageous, laugh-filled screening I ever attended. When I, when I remember screenings where an audience was just out of control with laughter, Yes. It was uh, your screening of uh, Creature Feature. Yep. Um, now, the, the virus has stopped the screenings, and how are you with that? Well, I'm not happy. Uh, we were ready to go in 2020 with, uh, we, do, we did three a year, one in uh, winter, you know, Jan mm -hmm. February, mm -hmm. March, then one in summer, so I could go to the Nationals game. <laughs> and, uh, and then one, the one around Halloween. So we did three a year. And um, we had uh, the, the, the Horror of Dracula, which was the first Christopher Lee Dracula movie ready to go. I had, we were all set to go. And, you know, the COVID thing just crashed it. I mean, they shut down the theaters in Maryland. And uh, so we just scra we scratched the rest of 20. And we figured, well, we'd do it in 21. And 21 came around, and uh, we, they were still not ready to do it in the spring. And then we, we thought, maybe we'll do Halloween. So actually, we had planned to do the horror of Dracula for Halloween, the Saturday before Halloween. And then the Delta spike hit. And I said, nope, no, I can't do it. I, I just, personally, yeah. personal, for personal health reasons, it's not worth it. I can't. I've been around for a long time and I can wait a little longer to do this again. We're hoping to do it in 22. I'll tell you one thing we're going to do. In February of 23, we're gonna do something with the AFI. We haven't, I haven't told them this yet, but we will. And that, <laughs> and that is 
that'll be the 50th anniversary of my first show on 20. So oh, I love it. And I we're love gonna, it. We're going to kick off probably a small national tour doing, uh, doing conventions and stuff. So, yeah. Uh, well, we are brought to you by Hound Radio and the Cats Podcasting System. And Lou Katz, president of Cats Podcasting, is with us to remind us of Hound Radio and why we should be listening to the Hound on the internet. Well, guys, uh, here's one reason you want to listen. For Halloween, Hound Radio is channeling our inner wolf. I got a popcorn ball. I got a fetch ball. I got a pack of gum. I got a rock. And you'll be getting the sweetest treat of all. Your favorite hound Halloween hits all Halloween long. Happy Halloween! From the scariest station on the internet, Hound Radio. Yeah, looking forward to the Halloween music. And another reason to have it on Hound Radio on the internet is the fact that we play no commercials, which is... A- which is a concept, and we have <laughs> and we have all kinds of different features, and uh, and of course we're so proud to be hosting your podcast every week, Arch. They're great. We love doing them. Well, uh, I well, love Mike, doing it with you. Kudos to you, Lou, because there's no commercials on my web program either. There, there you go. go. Love it. Well, there you go. Oh, speaking about that, let me get a plug in. Okay, this is a commercial, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we put out their concord.com. <laughs> yes. But three years ago. Keeping up with technology, we started our own Roku channel. So at the beginning of every month, uh, on Count Gord Duvall Presents on your Roku, we put up four hosted horror movies, one per week, four celebrity interviews, one per week, and two uh, outstanding short horror films that are from up and coming filmmakers. And it changes at the beginning of every month. So, you know, the first or second, whatever is available. Sell it, Count. Sell it. Sell it, Duvall presents in the channel store on your Roku. And like Lou, there's no commercials and free. Oh, you know, one of my fondest memories is you came over to Channel 4 and uh, you walked in Studio A there uh, in your outfit as Count Gore. And, you know, this was 15 or 20 years after television. Uh, and you said, ah, a television studio. <laughs> <laughs> How quaint. <laughs> it hardly, hardly exist anymore. So what are you going to be watching Halloween night? I honestly don't know. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very honest with you. And this, this, this goes back. And I have a difficult time explaining this to people. They see they, they figure that well, Count Gore Duvall is going to do something outrageous for Halloween. Yeah. And in general, I don't because I get Halloween all year round. I right. get a vampire 364 right. days a year. <laughs> so usually on Halloween night, I will just sometimes I'll get in the costume and answer the door for, for trick-or-treaters. Uh-huh. Occasionally I will go to a party once I actually had a party. But I tend, not, well, well, actually, yeah. one Halloween, we actually broadcast a party the, at the, uh, remember the old cinema? Uh, the the, cinema the clock draft? is ticking, Count. <laughs> and we're going to have to wrap up. Wrap it up. I think I'll wrap up by saying every night is Halloween. Yes. Count <laughs> Gordeval, my dear friend, Dick Dysel. Thank you, Arch. And I'll Thank be you, thinking Lou. about you, Halloween. And looking forward to your coming back to the AFI. If you want to watch something good, uh, watch Impeachment. 
on FX. That's pretty scary. <laughs> By the way, I'm traveling, so we're not going to have a show next week. Enjoy your trip to Transylvania. This is the Cats Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast.